scripture passage today, we're uh, looking at the Paul's letter to the Colossians. We've been looking at this for the last few weeks, and um, we're reading through this book to understand better what God means by salvation. What actually happened when God granted us salvation through Jesus Christ, and understanding that better, we'd be better motivated to live the life that Christ has called us to live. And today we're looking at uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 15. Before we read that, let us uh, pause for a moment in prayer. Good and wonderful Father, Lord, we come today before your holy word, looking for your guidance, Lord, your word, for truth as you have spoken it, Lord, to dwell in us, Lord, for we know that when you speak truth, it is the truth. As it says in Scripture, the sum of your word is truth. So, Lord, we come today, Lord, to learn from you. Lord, to sit at the feet of our Master, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit that you have given us. Father, we pray that you breathe that Spirit upon us, that we may understand your good and perfect will for us, that as we read and as we hear, Lord, that we know what it is you will for us. Father, bless this reading of your holy word, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 2, verses 6 to 15. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against it with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. This is the word of the Lord. So has anybody seen those, um, the old Frankenstein movies? Like the real old Frankenstein movies? The ones with the, uh, the mad scientist up there living in that uh, old castle at the, at the top of a mountain with the, with the village below and the, the villagers ready to light their torches and march on it. Well, if you haven't seen it, if you haven't had the pleasure of seeing it in one of the good old Frankenstein movies, they really are a wonder to behold. And like I said, they always start out in, in, this, in this dreary old Gothic castle. 
and you've got the mad scientist, Dr. Frankenstein, up in his tower, and, and he's got an assistant named Igor who's, who's hunched back. And Igor goes down to the local graveyard, and he digs up corpses, and he, and he cuts off parts. And Dr. Frankenstein gets, and he sews them together to make a new body. And then because he's a mad scientist, he's figured out stuff that nobody else can figure out. And he's got this, this secret serum that he injects the body with, and then he waits for just the right time. A storm raging above the castle. And so, so he puts the, the corpse on this platform, and the corpse gets raised, raised up right there in the middle of the storm. And then right at the moment, lightning strikes, and the thing starts to move. You remember what he says then? It's alive! It's alive! It's a pretty scary movie, though. I mean, despite all, all, all the fanciful pageantry that goes into it, it really is scary to think about. And it was scary when Mary Shelley first conceived of that story over 150 years ago. And you know what's scary about Frankenstein? I, I thought about this. What's scary about it is not so much that, that, that here you have science figuring out the secret to life and able to take something dead and bring it to life again, because that's not what really happened. See, what happened in that story is they figured out part of the secret to life, but they didn't figure out the whole thing. They got a little bit of the secret to life, but not the whole secret to life. You see, they got just enough of the secret to life to make something look like it was kind of alive, but not fully alive. As in they understood just enough, not to make something really alive, but just enough to create a monster. That's what's scary about the Frankenstein. That's what's scary. Something that's kind of alive, but not fully alive, because they got part of the secret, but they didn't get the full secret of life. And we're still searching for that. Science today is still diligently searching. And, they, and they've, gotten, they've gotten pretty far. They've gotten some good stuff. They've understood a lot of the, the biochemical reactions that go in the body. They've understood a lot about DNA and how it works and how it creates life. But they've not figured out the full secret yet. The full secret of life. What it is that makes us alive. What makes plants alive. What makes animals alive. What makes life, well, life. Now, I say this not to just have an a, 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 you know, interesting philosophical conversation about what makes things alive. I say this because we have to understand the secret of life if we're going to understand salvation. If we're going to understand especially that part of salvation that brings us from death to life, we have to understand first what it is to be alive. And what Paul tells us today, and what he said in verse 13, that you were dead in your trespasses. It doesn't make sense unless you understand the secret of life. Because Paul tells us, you were dead in your trespasses. And, and a lot of people, literal-minded people will hear that, and they'll say, uh, no, no, I wasn't. I was, I was dead, but I was alive. I was kicking, I was breathing, I was dancing, and, and thank you very much, I was having quite a good time in my trespasses. Don't tell me I was dead in my trespasses. See, see, it's not that kind of death that Paul's talking about. It's actually a much worse kind of death. 
But before we can understand that, we have to understand what it is that makes us alive. We have to understand the secret of life itself. But don't worry, you don't have to be a mad scientist to figure out the secret of life. The Bible already told us what the secret of life is. James 2, 26, it says, The body without the spirit is dead. The body without the spirit is dead. So, so that, that secret element that makes something alive, that makes us alive, is it's our spirit. Now, when, when Paul wrote this, it was in the ancient world, and they had a much, much different understanding of, of spirit and soul than we do. They, see, the ancients believed that everything alive, or actually everything, had spirit in it. And it was a particular spirit just for that sort of thing. Like, for example, a plant had plant spirit. That's what made it a plant. Animals had animal spirit. And they actually believed the earth was alive too. It had earth spirit. That's why, why things could grow out of the earth, because it was alive. It had earth spirit. And, and, and rivers and trees had spirits. And, and sometimes certain groves or trees had, a, had, had a, even a special spirit, which is why they, well, they went and they would worship those types of things. And then you get to human beings. And human beings are a little bit unique. Because they all could look and they could see that we were a little bit like the animals. We were warm-blooded like the animals. We gave birth like the animals. We nursed our young just like many of the animals. So they said, well, mankind has got to have animal spirit in him. That's what makes him what he is. But he's not quite all animal. And so some came up with the idea of there's a special human spirit. But no one could quite agree on what made human spirit really human spirit. But see, the Bible has an answer for that as well, of what makes us alive as human beings. If you go all the way back to that, that very, very beginning of the Bible, the first two chapters of Genesis, it tells us exactly what makes us alive as human beings. It says when, when God created humanity, he, he formed them out of the dust of the earth. And that's where we get that, that animal side of us, that animal spirit that we have. But that, he didn't end there. He didn't stop there. Then he bent down and he breathed into this shape that he made out of the dust. And that's when it came alive. And it says he gave him his breath. Now, in Hebrew, that word for breath is called ruach. And as, you, as, it, as it would go, that word ruach is also the same word for spirit. So when God breathed into us, it wasn't just the breath. He breathed spirit into us. And Scripture tells us that God made us in his image formed us out of the dust, but breathed his own spirit in us. So we have both sides of us. We have this, this animal side, this animal spirit, but we also have this other side, this other spirit that can only be called a divine spirit. The image of God, the breath of God. His own spirit breathed upon us, which gave us life. And there we get all the beauty and the dignity of being human beings. Now it's a wonderful thing being made in the image of God, but I'm going to warn you though, it, it, comes, it comes with a liability as well. There's a liability that comes in being made in the image of God and having God's Spirit dwelling within us. See, as, as animals, we have to sustain our life in animal ways. Right? We have to eat. 
We have to have good food. We have to, we have to drink water. We have to have rest. We have all these things that other animals need. We have, need that nutrition. right? But that divine part of us, that divine part of us that comes from God, it needs nutrition too. Just like our animal spirits, we cannot produce the nutrition that we need. We have to get it from other sources to, to live in our spirit. To live in this, in this way that God made us, we need a special nutrition as well. And for our life, it is intimately tied to God. So we don't exist, first of all, without Him as a creator, but we also don't exist without Him as our sustainer. I'm going to quote to you something from the, the book of Acts, 17.25. And Peter had said that in Him, in God, we live and we move and we have our being. In God we live and we move and we have our being. That means not only did we come from God, that means we are continually dependent upon God for our life. We're made in His image like no other animal in this world, like no other creation. His breath being a part of us, being in us. But that means the part of us that He made doesn't live like the rest of the animals live. It needs something other than food and water and shelter and rest. This deeper, this divine part of us, this God-like part of us needs something else to live. And this is where we find real life. This is where we find abundant life. Because unlike other animals, we are not content with just food and water and shelter. We want something more out of life. We're always searching for something more out of life because there's something more to us than being just animals. I've got two dogs, and the only thing they care about is food and water and sleeping. I love my dogs, great creatures, but they are completely content with just having food and water and sleeping and shelter and, and maybe barking at squirrels every now and then. But human beings aren't like that. Human beings, are, 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 we're not content with just having the stuff of life. We're not content with just having food, even if we have a bunch of it, or shelter, even if we have a big one. That's why the, some of the richest people in the world are some of the most unhappy, because they've been looking for a satisfaction in ways that they will never find, because there's something else in us. There is another living spirit in us that looks for something more. We look for things like, like beauty and truth and meaning and purpose and virtue. Because life means more to us than just living. Because Jesus said it too, he said, Is not the body more than clothing? And is not life more than food? Because you were made for something more than just existing. Because we were made in the image of God. We were made for the abundant life. Now because of that part in us that is like God, it only gets its nutrition from God. Think of it like a plant that needs light. Right? This plant has got to have light. It can't produce its own light. It's got to get its light from another source. And when it has that light, it, is, it thrives and it's abundant and it produces. And just like that plant, we need the light of God in our life. We need to reflect His glory. Or in other words, we need to be like Him. And that is the only place that we find that life. 
That is the only place we find nourishment for our deepest self, for our deepest spirit, is to be like God and to reflect His glory and to bask in His light and His presence. So, so then you have to ask, how are we going to be like God? Because we're not God. We're not God. We can't be exactly like God. We can't create worlds. We can't create human beings out of the dust. We can't split the Red Sea in the half. We can't raise the dead. At least not yet. The only way we can be like God is through faith. It's through faith and through trust in Him, and through, which, is, which equals obedience in our life. Faith and trust in obedience. And that is how we're like God. And being like Him, we find life. That's why when, when God puts this before the, before the Israelites, he, he, he gives them a decision and He shows them that life and obedience are one and the same. Disobedience and death are one and the same. When He was there with Israel, He, he gathered them and he even, he even gave them the choice just like that. He says, I'm putting before you two choices. He says, you can have death or life. Those are the choices. Death or life. And, and, and when he told them what life was, it was all obedience and faith. It was obedience and faith and trust in him was life. And then he gave them the choices and showed what death was like. And it was disobedience. And it was doubt. And it was following your own way instead of God's. Of course, the life he was talking about wasn't the mortal life, wasn't the animal life. It was our spiritual life. It was the life of that divine self in us. The only way that can live is through faith and through obedience and through trust in Him. And we find the same principle working all the, all the way back in, in Genesis when the first sin came into the world. When God had Adam and Eve after He made them in the garden. And you remember He had a tree, only one, one rule. He only had one rule in the garden. Is there's this tree and you can't eat of it. Do you all remember what He said to them? What would happen if you ate of this tree? He says, if you eat of it, in that day you're going to die. You'll die when you eat of it. And, and, and it confuses, like literal-minded people will get confused, and they'll look and they'll say, well, God was wrong because they ate it and they were still alive. But it wasn't that kind of life he was talking about. It wasn't the life of the flesh. It wasn't the life of this mortal body that we move around in. It was a deeper kind of life that they lost. It was a greater kind of death that came to him. It was death that came from disobedience. It was death of the divine spirit, that deeper part of us that makes us human, that makes us who we are. So let's go back to verse 13 where he tells us, you were dead in your trespasses. That's the death he's talking about. Sin brought death upon us. There's a principle that we all have to understand. Trespasses and sin equals death. Disobedience and unfaithfulness, not trusting in God, will lead to death. Whereas righteousness, which is life, is trusting, is faithful obedience in God. Because we were made to reflect the divine image. We were made to reflect in glory. That's where life and righteousness come from. 
And this obedience that we have to God, this obedience that seems God is so obsessed, obsessed with about us doing right, about us doing the right thing, is not just a moral command. It's not just a set of arbitrary rules. It's because obedience to Him is faithfulness, and faithfulness is life. Because as we are faithful, we reflect that divine image, and we are that plant that finally gets the sunlight it needs. And you see what happens to a plant when you take away the light. It grows pale, and it withers, and it dies. Without faith, without our obedience, a divine part of us dies. It becomes corrupt, it rots, it's distorted and twisted. Because it's not getting fed the stuff that it needs. So that's what Paul says when he says, you were dead in your trespasses. Because you did not obey, because you did not believe, because you did not trust God, because you did not have faith in Him, you did not reflect His glory, you were trying to remake your own glory and not reflect His. Because of that, your inner spirit, yourself, that part of you that makes you human, that part of you that shares in the divinity with God, the part of you that it is image, the part that we find true life, it was dying. It was dying, and that is how Jesus found us, dead in our trespasses. Dead because we did not reflect the glory of God. Sure, our body was moving around. Sure, we were breathing, our heart was beating. There was still brain activity, maybe less and less every year. But that deep part of us, that spiritual part, that eternal part, that was dead and it withered away because it had not been fed what it needed to feed on for a very long time. It was in salvation that Christ gave us new life. He made us alive in spirit. Look what he says in verse 9. This is how he did it. For in him, he's talking about in Christ, for in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily. It says in Christ the fullness of deity dwells bodily. And he's talking about God, that God dwells fully in Jesus Christ. That's why we call him in our theology fully God and fully human. Because the fullness of God dwells in Jesus Christ. So here we have Jesus where the fullness of God dwells. And then here's us over here that, that needs God in our life to give us life. And in our trespasses, in our sin, we, we, we kicked him out of our life. We kicked him out of our spirits. We said, I don't want to live your way. I want to live my way. I don't want to reflect your glory. I want to shine on glory all of my own. And that works just about as well as the moon wanting to shine without reflecting the sun. And if you want to see what it's like trying to reflect your own glory, you can just watch those cycles of the moon. And every, every, as the cycle goes on, as the moon wanes, you can see that part of the moon that's not reflecting the sun. It gets darker and darker. Just like us in our lives, and we try to live without reflecting the glory of God, trying to shine on a glory of our own, it gets darker and darker until it gets consumed completely. Without God in us, we're dying. Without God in us, we're dead. We're just the living dead, still walking around, but dead inside. 
And so now we have Christ where it says the fullness of God dwells. All that we need, that, that light of life that we so desperately need, it dwells, it dwells fully in Jesus Christ. And now we have Christ that dwells in us. Go back to verse 9. For in Christ the full, whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And then in verse 10, and you, you have been filled in him. In Jesus Christ, the fullness of God dwells, and now Christ dwells in us. Because we are bound to Christ through our baptism, through our baptism and through our confession of faith, we are bound to Christ, and He dwells in us, and when He dwells in us, He brings the fullness of God with Him. Every bit of that light we need. Every bit of that nourishment we need for the deepest part of ourselves is brought fully when Christ Jesus dwells in us. He's taken us from death, and he's given us life. It says that he, he forgave our sins, and he erased the debt. Erased the debt completely so there was nothing more to burden us, nothing more to bring in that debt. And, and it clears the way now for Christ to dwell in us. Because as he brought us forgiveness, he also brought life with it. And now because God dwells in us, he dwells in you, he dwells in me, the source of life can dwell in us again. We were dead in our trespasses. But now we have been made alive together. Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is the mystery. That is the beauty. That is the glory of salvation. We were dead in sin. And now we're made alive in Christ. It's also the real secret to life. The secret to the abundant life. The secret to the life that you and I were truly meant to live. You know, I look around and despite being a chronically unhealthy society, we spend a lot of time on health. We spend a lot of time and research and a lot of our, our effort on vitamins, on exercise routines, on doctors and medicines. And, and don't get me wrong, I love being healthy. And I love talking about being healthy about all that we need to sustain that good and healthy life. But even as we pursue it, we can never forget that all that we do to sustain this bodily life will one day fail. Despite our best efforts, despite all that we try to do, we will all succumb to mortality. We will all go what they call the way of all flesh. And I swear, I think every week I, I see a story about some eccentric billionaire who's tried to come up with a new way to cheat death. I think I read about one guy, he takes about 130 supplements a day. And, and there's some other, some other rich guy, I can't remember his name right now, but he, he wanted to, he's trying to, injecting like stem cells in him all the time and, and trying to get these serums off of young people because he wants to stay healthy and, and live forever and stay young forever. And I look at that and I think, you know, the tragedy of all of this is that they're spending so much time and effort on a body that's going to die. And they spend no time at all on the spirit that can live forever. 
And to think of all that time and effort we spend on trying to keep this body young and to try to keep it alive when it's going to die anyway. And how much time do we spend nurturing our spirits that will live forever? And all the while we keep hoping that one day there's going to be that big scientific breakthrough. There's going to be that one advancement. They'll come up with that one pill, that one serum, maybe figure out how to, how to hook us up to the lightning so they can say it's alive. But, you know, even if they did figure that out, even if they did figure out how to keep this body alive and young forever, all they would give life to is the mortal flesh. All they would give life to is that animal part of us. And even if they do succeed in trying that all they want to do, they can't deliver real life. They can't deliver true life. They can't even give us the abundant life because they're not even looking in the right place. Because my brothers and sisters, you're more than an animal. You're more than a creature of the earth. You are a child of the living God. You were made in His image. And you were not made to create your own glory. You were made to reflect His. You were not made to find your own way in life. You were made to walk in His way. And you were not meant to remain a creature of earth, but to one day truly and forever be a citizen of heaven. You were not made for death. You were made for life. And thanks be to God who gives us this life through the blood of His Son, our Savior. To Him be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.